Welcome everyone to another edition of the Monday Night Warfare Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Judy, joined by Emmy Award winner and third member of the Body Donna's Wade Skaggs. Wade, welcome back where the war is about to begin. That's right, Chris Candido, watch out. Here we go. The shot has been fired. We're in week two of the war. Let's get it going. It is our first head-to-head Raw versus Nitro this week on the Monday Night Warfare Podcast. But wait, let's take a look back. How do you feel coming out of week one? Uh, I feel great. I feel marvelous. I feel spectacular. Uh, you know, going Somebody back and... has their thesaurus out today. Oh, I got the thesaurus, all right. <laughs> Let's, we're going back to when we were so young that we don't even remember this stuff. And so watching it as an adult, it, you know, puts a... That puts quite a spin on it. So uh, we're enjoying it much, much more now than we would have then, I can tell you that. So if this is your first time joining us, whether audio form or YouTube for video form, first of all, we're glad you're here. Thank you for following us. Like, follow, subscribe, comment, all the things that you're supposed to do for stuff like this. We don't even know. We're still new to this podcast thing. Just help us grow this community. It's a fun community where we want everybody to join in. We're going back and we're watching WCW, the WWF, and a little sprinkle of ECW every week for starting in 1995 all the way through the Monday Night War. And this is a perfect time to join in. This is the first head-to-head Raw versus Nitro. Coming out of last week, we looked at SummerSlam 95 and Monday Night Raw from August 21st. That's the last Raw before Nitro. Mm -hmm. So we really kind of set the stage for the WWF. WCW, we looked at the first Nitro. They were unopposed. There was no Raw. So they had the whole Monday Night to themselves. And we took a look at the first or the last ECW before Nitro. Mm -hmm. So everybody kind of has the stage set. Tonight is, or this episode's really going to be the first battle. We've got the first Nitro and Raw going head to head on September the 11th, 1995. We're also going to take a look at ECW Hardcore TV from September the 12th. That's the first ECW after Nitro. And there's some big names on that show, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We got the Steiners, we got Tommy Dreamer, we got Two Cold Scorpio. You know how much I love him. So it's going to be fun. So, Wade, I'm going to send it to you first. What are you more excited for this week? We have our first Nitro versus Raw head-to-head. I'm going to leave the choice up to you. What are we going to cover first? Well, I'll tell you what. Going into this week, you know, after watching Nitro last week and going into this week, I'm more excited for WCW, dude. All right, so we're going to start September 11th, 1995. Monday Nitro's live for the Night Center in Miami, Florida. Eric Bischoff, Steve Mongo, McMichael, Bobby the Brain Heenan on commentary. This episode of Nitro draws a 2.4 rate, down from 2.5 last week. But last week they were unopposed, so it's kind of a win to almost stay in the same rating with mm-hmm. Raw coming back. Oh, yeah. So, and this is the first Nitro against Raw. We talked about it. Eric Bischoff opens the show, but he really drives home the point in this opening part of Raw or Nitro that we're live. Raw's taped. We're live. And he keeps driving that point home. As well he should, let's be honest. He also hypes up the main event for tonight. It's Hulk Hogan defending the WCW World Heavyweight title against Lex Luger in what they call the match of the century. They cut to a recap of that confrontation last week. We both agree Lex Luger kind of stole that promo. He really drove home the point of he's here to make a big impact in WCW. Absolutely. Uh, and they go, they go back to the commentary desk, and this is what I want to talk to you about, Wade. They say Vader's gone AWOL. Uh, Vader's not filing the right paperwork. He's out of war games. So Hulk Hogan's team is down four to three just six nights before the big fall brawl war games match. Oh, absolutely. How are they going to fill this role? Uh, let me tell you something else about the beginning of this show. Uh, you know, uh, we're going to a new arena now. We're not in the Mall of America anymore. So, you know, we get the new commentary stage that would stay around for a while that I really like. As opposed to them being in this, you know, little wooden table right up next to the ring. You know, they got the little TVs on there. I'm sick at any second. 
somebody can just come crashing through there. So it makes me nervous to even watch it. Uh, so I really like the the commentary stage. I also really like the rings, apron, skirts. You know how they made them like see through within backlit, so you can see. I think that's so awesome. Uh, you can really tell they're really going full throttle here into the war. And you could tell even to the arena, like the Night Center's not a very big arena, but they mm-hmm. made that thing look huge. Just the way they oh, kind yeah. of positioned everything, the way they shot everything, it had a different look and feel from Raw. And and again, they're live. They kept driving home. We're live. We're live. We're live. And anything can happen on live TV, as they showed last week with Lex Luger showing up. And speaking of anything can happen on live TV, first match on Nitro, it's the debut of the homicidal, suicidal, genocidal Sabu, one-on-one with my man, Dust Wonder Kid, Alex Wright. Sabu Sabu pins Alex Wright with a top rope victory roll in 358. This match was all over the place. But before we dive into it, we got to hear Alex Wright's theme song. He got to walk to the ring with that glorious music. All is well. Except for him losing by except for him losing by super pinfall. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. I will say during this match, they, they really drove home the point of just how crazy Sabu is. Like oh, Bobby yeah. Heenan saying he got suspended in 17 countries. Mongo's putting him <laughs> over as like a fullback. Mm-hmm. And, and, they, and they really let Sabu kind of show a lot of his you know out-of-control offense throughout that match. Oh, absolutely. And they call him a raving lunatic. You know what I mean? I'm like, wow, they're really going all out with this. So, like we said, Sabu gets the big victory roll off the top rope to pin Alex Wright. Uh, it was a fun match, it was a fast-paced match, crowd was into it, but after the match where the, the story really picks up, Sabu attacks Alex Wright, and he grabs a table from the side of, the, of the, the stage, and he dives off the top rope, putting Alex Wright through the table, and I know you. this made you happy, Nick Patrick reverses the decision and disqualifies Sabu. I don't, I don't even know what to say about this, dude. Like, he, First of all, he wins the, the match with, the as you said, the super roll-up, where Alex kicks out at you know, right as his hands hitting the mat, I'm like, so I was, I was kind of thinking, okay, they're gonna, they're gonna reverse this because he kicked out. Nope, it stands. Afterwards, he comes in and attacks him. So then the referee says, okay, you know what? I'm reversing my call. I'm after the match. I'm going to disqualify Sabu and give Alex Wright the win by disqualification after the match had already ended. I... Like, Listen, what, what is you, the, the thinking behind this? I don't understand this. You, you don't tell Nick Patrick what to do. Nick Patrick has no time for your crap. Apparently. And he, has no, he had no time for Sabu's crap. But let, let's talk about that for a second. Just the the thought of Sabu put Alex right through a table. In 2022, that's a very, like, conversational comment. Like, yeah, he put him through a table. Mm. In 1995, unless you were watching ECW, this is a huge moment. The WWF doesn't have their first big table break until Survivor Series in two months. Like, that's their first, like, really big. He put him through a table. Mm. So, to see this on on the second episode of Nitro, it is a very big moment. And it's kind of almost like an overlooked moment because of, Mm -hmm. of how common the table is now. Yeah, oh, it definitely is. So we go to commercial break. We're back. Mean Gene Okerlund's in the ring interviewing Ric Flair, talking about how Rick was styling and profiling and moving and grooving on South Beach last night. Um, the big talking point of this, they're trying to hype up Ric Flair and Arn Anderson for Fall Brawl. Arn Anderson's, you know, kind of parted away from Ric Flair, finally stepping out of the shadow of Ric Flair. 
And Rick calls him out like, man, I was on South Beach last night, and Arn was in his room calling his wife and kid on the phone. Like, what mm-hmm. a loser. <laughs> um, and they're, they're, they're trying to get Ric Flair to, to be the heel in this whole thing, but, like, the fans don't want to boo Ric Flair. And then <laughs> here's the part that I think confused both of us. The mm-hmm. middle of his promo, he puts up the four fingers for the four horsemen, says the symbol of excellence, and then here comes Lex Luger who used to be a member of the Four Horsemen. Ric Flair says, yeah, the total package. You're the total package. Package, package. Hogan's in trouble. Luger says, man, something's never changed. Rick, you're too much. And he walks out. You're something else, Rick. My dude comes out here like that, that has nothing to do with him. You know, Gene is talking to Rick, talking about Arn in his hotel room, not styling and profiling. Woo! All of a sudden, Lex Luger comes out. Why? Like, he's, he, he just comes out, he's in his gear, he's looking good, of course. He comes out to the ring, and he just stands there, Rick talks him up, and then he's just gone. And then two seconds later, you know, Ric Flair, he just, like, leaves. And Mean Gene leaves. And it, the segment's just over. Like, what, I don't understand what the point of all of this was. I think if they're trying to get... Lex Luger on TV and get those WWF viewers who are channel surfing like, hey, we yeah, have so. Lex Luger now. Yeah, you can you can accomplish the same thing by putting up a graphic saying, coming up tonight, Hogan mm-hmm. and Luger for the title. Yeah. You don't need to make a very awkward promo more <laughs> awkward. Mm-hmm. So our next matchup on Nitro, it's for the United States Heavyweight title. It is Michael, don't call me Michael anymore, VK Wall Street against Sting. Uh, Sting's going to defeat Michael Wall Street, VK Wall Street. They don't even know why he changed his name. Uh, Sting with a big cross body off the top, pins him in 413 to keep the United States title. But here's the big part of this matchup. This match is remembered for Sting's entrance. And it's not. It's nothing Sting does. During Sting's entrance, Eric Bischoff on commentary goes, Hey, by the way, in case you're tempted to uh, grab the remote control, check out the competition, don't bother. It's two or three weeks old. John Michaels beat the big guy with a super kick he's good to run a green belt with in a local YMCA. Stay right here. It's live. It's where the action is. And Mongo chimes in and goes, who cares about that? They named it after a bunch of uncooked eggs. Like, shots fired. Oh, yeah. Oh, the shots have been fired, my friend. This was this was absolutely revolutionary at the time, bro. And, and they would keep using this throughout the war. Eventually, it would bite him in the butt, but not yet. They use it to great effect here. I mean... We talked about it last week. We were we were more excited to watch as a kid, probably the WWF. Mm-hmm. But now they've already told me the finish of the main event. I don't know what's going to happen in Luger Hogan, but I know what's going to happen in Sean and Sid now. Yeah. Uh, the match itself, it's a very make Sting look good before fall mm-hmm. brawl. Yep. Um, VK Wall Street, uh, former IRS, is. A very capable wrestler. Mm-hmm. Um, so to have a guy in there with Sting, I think BK Walsh is a good guy to make him look good on Nitro. Um, Sting's two and zero on Nitro. Just saying. Uh, we go. He's the man. The man called Sting. <laughs> Only second to the man called Ming. You I mean, can you imagine a, a remix of like that song for Ming? That would have been great. That would have been something. I don't know if uh, you guys thought you were getting American Idol here today, but uh, you got it. <laughs> oh, yeah. We got all kinds I'm, of talents here. I am getting kicked off real quick. No golden ticket for me. Uh, <laughs> we, 
We got a commercial comeback. Eric Bischoff's hyping up WCW Saturday night. Two things that are on Saturday night: the debut of the Disco Inferno. So Disco Inferno soon to come to Nitro, and mm-hmm. also. A match that I kind of want to go search out because of how bad it would be. The Renegade and Max Muscle. We go back to the arena. Scott Flash Norton makes his debut against the Macho Man Randy Savage. Randy Savage picks up the win at 539 with a flying elbow, but uh, it's not just a flying elbow, Wade. Oh, my God. Here we go. Okay. Who books this? Now, here, here here's the thing. The match itself, you know, is an all right match. Scott Norton just absolutely dominates. Towards the end, Randy Savage really turns it around, you know, but that's really just right at the end because Scott just dominated him this entire guy. The the Dungeon of Doom comes out here, okay? Just, what's going on, JR? I, I don't understand what's happening here. So you've got the Dungeon of Doom. It's Shark and Kamala, the first ones. And the first of all, Shark's 500 pounds. How is he the first one out of the tunnel? Um, anyway, so Shark comes down. Shark tries to get in the ring. Scott Norton and Macho Man kind of team up to attack the Dungeon of Doom. Scott Norton knees Shark in the head as he's getting in the ring. Shark falls on the legs of Scott Norton, trapping him. So Randy Savage takes advantage, hits the flying elbow. Referee has no problem with this and counts the pinfall. Mm-hmm. Another inexplicable referee moment from tonight. My dude, look two feet to the left here. You got John Tent, uh, Shark, sorry, he's not known as John Tenta yet. You got him. He's laying on his on Scott Norton's legs, and you just ah, that's all right. One, two, three. I, what is up with the referees in WCW tonight, dude? I don't know what's going on. After the match, Kevin Sullivan, Zodiac, and the man called Ming finally comes out to the ring, uh, trying to attack the Macho Man. And Scott Norton gets in the face of Shark as the Macho Man escapes. Everybody else leaves. Scott Norton's left alone. I get it. You don't want Macho Man to take a loss going into mm-hmm. Fall Brawl. But, like, that made Scott Norton look so stupid. Yeah. And he looked, like, I mean, especially the way WCW shoots their shows, how, how their ring is a little bit shorter. Scott Norton looked like the size of a freight train. He's just mm-hmm. huge. And, yeah, it's it was a weird, weird thing. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of weird, uh, we come back for commercial. It's our main event. The WCW World Heavyweight Championship is on the line. Hulk Hogan defending against Lex Luger. And they go 528. And Hogan retained the title by disqualification. With the Dungeon of Doom coming out again. The, the match was interesting for a couple of reasons. Luger, when he comes out, he gets the awesome smoke show pyro display. They kind of circle the camera around him. He looks phenomenal. Mm-hmm. He looks like a million bucks. Oh yeah, he's a star. Hogan suplex and Luger. Luger's no selling. He pops right back up, flexes at Hogan. Crowd loves it. Hogan does the same thing. Crowd loves it. The crowd is almost wanting to cheer for both of them. Mm-hmm. And, and then Eric Bischoff comes on the commentary and goes, Luger's not used to this level of competition. I'm like, okay, that's a good comparison. And then he keeps talking and says the world champion in the WWF is someone who barely made it to mid-level status in WCW. And that's where I have an issue. Like, this is the problem people have with AEW today is how much they compare themselves to WWE. Mm-hmm. You're already separating yourself by saying, we're live, they're taped. We're exciting, they're taped, they're blah, whatever. Look at our cool, shiny new pyro. Why do you continue to compare? If you want to say you're the better competition, stop at Luger isn't used to this level of competition. I, uh, I might have to disagree with you a little bit here, Jimbo, because this was being as revolutionary as it was. 
Uh, they used it to great effect. You know what I mean? You want to separate yourself, but you also want to build this, like, kind of cult following, I guess, which would only uh, go farther and farther down the line. So AEW now is completely different, I think, because we know, like, they're not on Monday night. We know they're not, you know, going to really compete ratings-wise, money-wise, whatever. That doesn't matter right now. But they did. So we have the benefit of hindsight now where we can say, you know what, this did work, and it worked incredibly well. And starting, you know, a year from now or whatever, they got 83 straight weeks of beating Raw. So it's, you know, it worked for them. Well, something that didn't work for them is the finish of this match. Hogan, Luger has Hogan in the torture rack. They do the arm drop. Luger thinks he wins, so he lets Hogan down. I did like the fact that referee said, no, he didn't give up. Luger immediately goes for a pinfall like he's still trying to win. Hogan mm-hmm. kicks out, hulks up, big boot and a leg drop. And Jesse goes for the pin. Here comes the entire Dungeon of Doom, except for the Giant. And they start attacking. Hogan, Savage, and Sting come out. And it's noted on commentary, if you take a look back, the Dungeon of Doom never lay a hand on Lex Luger. They're attacking Sting mm-hmm. and Savage and Hogan. So we go to commercial break. Mean Gene's back at the rain. He's interviewing Hulk Hogan saying, hey, man, your team's down four to three. And the first thing out of Hogan's mouth isn't about, like, hey, I need a partner. It's, again, asking Luger, where is he coming from? And why didn't the Dungeon of Doom lay a hand on him? Mm-hmm. Then you get Savage and Sting going back and forth. Savage is siding with Hulk. Sting siding with Luger. Everybody's yelling. And the, like, like Jimmy Hart gets in, involved. Mean Gene's yelling. And there's six humans that are just yelling into one microphone for like five mm-hmm. minutes. Yeah. Um, eventually, you know, everybody's pointing fingers at everybody. They're even saying Jimmy Hart's on the side of the Dungeon of Doom. Sting saying, "Hey Hulk, put Luger on the team." Savage is saying, "No, I'd rather be. St- I'd rather go four on three than get stabbed in the back by Luger." Mm-hmm. Hulk says, "You know what? I got the final vote. We'll put everybody in the cage, and we'll see where everybody's cards are." And, and then here's the interesting part: Luger says, "Yeah, I'll be on your team, but only if I get a title shot down the line." And that pisses off Randy Savage again. Oh yeah, he said he's got an ulterior motive, and uh, yeah, Oof. I don't know, man. So. I hated the segment overall because it was so chaotic, like, yeah. and not in a good way chaotic, but, uh, like, they needed some sort of threat for Hogan's team. Like, Hogan's on a super team for war games in mm-hmm. six nights against the Dungeon of Doom, especially with the stipulation being in that match. If Hogan's team wins, he's going to get Kevin Sullivan in the cage for five minutes. Like, you have to have some sort of doubt, and the infighting and the uh, and the uncertainty of the newcomer, Lex Luger, mm-hmm. that's almost a bigger threat than the Dungeon of Doom. And and as well it should be, because let's be honest, as you said, they ain't losing this match, unless some, some you know, crazy swerve comes. So, yeah, you're right. So, after all that chaos, we go back to the commentary desk. Eric Bischoff's hyping up next week on WCW Nitro. It's Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff against Johnny B. Bad. And the Blue Bloods are going to take on the winners of the American Males and the Nasty Boys. That matchup takes place Sunday night on the main event before Fall Brawl. Spoilers, since we're not going to cover it. The American Males win. So, it's the Blue Bloods, the American Males, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, Johnny B. Bad, and the Fall of Fall Brawl. Next Monday on Nitro, the one thing I did like, as they put the show graphic to fade out, Bobby Heenan yelling, they're going at it again. And that's what I loved about Nitro, is mm-hmm. they, they would end it in the middle of chaos, not right at the end. So you wouldn't get to see everything. You had to tune in next week. Oh, yeah. And it worked a great effect, let me tell you. So, coming out of Nitro, are you excited for Fall Brawl? Uh, 
Well, let me say something. I having looked ahead at what the card overall is, yes, but you wouldn't, you couldn't really tell by looking, you know, at this night show. They didn't do a good enough job at building up the entire pay per view. War Games, a ton of build. So you know, I'm looking forward to it. Even though I don't, I don't, I don't think Team Hulk is going to win, but I don't know what's going to happen. You know, you, I think you know what's going to happen, but I don't know what's going to happen. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it for sure. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it at the end of the episode when we kind of preview Fall Brawl. But a lot, of, I feel mm-hmm. like a lot of those matches got hyped up on Saturday night because they were still in that transition of like we've only had two Monday shows, so we're using yeah. Saturday night. And coming in the future, they're going to start using Saturday night less and less for big mm-hmm. moments. Um, so. We'll get there. But on the other side, the other channel, on the USA Network, it is Monday Night Raw. These matches were taped August the 28th, 1995. They aired not the September 11th, 1995 edition of Raw. We're from the Canton Civic Center in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, I didn't go. Me either. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't afford a ticket. Uh, Vince McMahon, Jerry Lawler on commentary. Something to note here, Raw draws a 2.5 rating back in their normal time slot, so technically they win week one mm-hmm. by a point, but they win. Uh, something to note for this Raw taping, there's a dark match before the taping. Normally we won't cover dark matches, but this one's kind of interesting to look at, especially being uh, the night after SummerSlam when this was taped. It was a six-man tag team match. Shawn Michaels, The Undertaker, and Lex Luger defeat Men on a Mission and Sid. This is Luger's last appearance for mm-hmm. the WWF because six days later, he's showing up on Nitro. Mm-hmm. And, the thing that wasn't cle- on TV then. Well, and clearly Luger is in a featured spot. I mean, he's working alongside Sean and Taker. He's against yeah. King Mabel, against Sid, and, and, and Moe's there too, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we start off... Monday Night Raw, we get a recap of SummerSlam highlighting the ladder match between Sean and Razor. Interesting thing to note here is, and I think this has to do with it being three weeks after the pay-per-view, they're actually showing full video clips of the pay-per-view. Down the line, you would see the recaps of pay-per-views, but they're still images because they're still Mm -hmm. trying to sell pay-per-view replays, which Mm -hmm. is such a foreign concept today. We are spoiled today with pay-per-views. Oh, absolutely we are. Uh, They hype up Shawn Michaels defending the Intercontinental Championship against Sid. They also announced Razor Ramon will, quote, attempt to shred the beware of dog sign as he goes one-on-one with the British Bulldog. Uh, Then Vince McMahon ends the opening package saying it's the new fall season beginning with a doubleheader. Even Cal Ripken might call in sick to watch. That's a bold statement. Very bold. Bold statement, Cotton. So we cut to a new Raw intro. This is the famous Raw on the Roof intro. You've got all the wrestlers kind of wrestling on top of Titan Towers. Uh, The big clip of Shawn Michaels jumping off the big R-A-W letters into the pile. The one thing I noted, and I didn't really notice this until I watched it back, at the beginning of that intro, there's so many shots of, like, police officers and police cars and crowds running like the fences and how many of those shots get reused in like that famous like 1998 1999 like really like attitude era raw intro mm-hmm. they're starting to kind of edge into that a little bit yeah uh, uh other thing to note on this intro it's the i like it raw theme is the only time it actually lyrics behind it i never remembered this having lyrics like mm-hmm. it was a this intro like the song did not match the the clips at all. Uh, we open up the show. It's Jerry Lawler and Vince McMahon in front of a very obvious green screen. Oh, yeah. And, and this goes back to Nitro just saying, we're live, we're live, we're live. They're taped. Here's what happened on their show. Mm-hmm. So, like, Nitro's trying to kind of stick that knife in, but WWE's twisted the knife themselves with this terrible green screen. 
Oh, yeah. Our first match is the bad guy, Razor Ramon, one-on-one against the newest associate or employee of Jim Cornette, Mr. New Haircut himself, the British Bulldog. He has cut off his famous long hair. He's now got the crew cut going on. Um, I I don't even know where to start. Me either. The, <laughs> the match ends. If you look at the match result, British Bulldog defeats Razor Ramon in 7-10 by disqualification. But we've both rewatched it and I think we're still uh, we talked about dodgy refereeing on WCW Nitro. I think this one takes the cake of how of how Razor gets disqualified in this match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I don't know what was going on there. So, Dean Douglas has come out during the match. He's looking for revenge on Razor uh, after being attacked in Dean Douglas's classroom at SummerSlam. Razor hits the Razor's Edge. And then Dean Douglas runs out, dives off the top rope, hits a flying knee to the back of Razor's head. Mind you, the referee's already down at this point. Referee's mm-hmm. already been hit by the Bulldog. Yep. So there's no referee. Then the 1-2-3 kid comes out, trying to help Razor, immediately gets floored by Dean Douglas. They get back in the ring. Bulldog hits the power slam, goes for a pin. 1-2-3 kid is climbing up to the top. Referee is still down at this point. He's finally coming to as the 1-2-3 kid dies off the top rope. Bulldog moves out of the way, and the kid splashes Razor. The referee calls for the bell, DQ. The Bulldog is awarded the victory because the kid interfered. And I and I guess I guess it's assumed like because he's Razor's friend. Mm-hmm. I, I guess. Oh, of course, yeah, I guess that's the only explanation. But as a referee, you can't make those kinds of calls. You know what I mean? Like he hit Razor. Razor should be the one who uh, is awarded the win. I don't know what was going on here, man. It was it was a very weird match like i feel like that match never got out of like second gear mm-hmm. uh, you got two very very strong characters and, and, and wrestlers in the bulldog and razor but i think I, that finish just dragged it down because it was so convoluted and yeah. and this is after watching the dungeon of doom stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> and at, at least i understood the stories they were trying to tell with the dungeon of doom stuff and speaking of not understanding the story they're trying to tell um, I'm, I'm going to let you take, I'm going to let you kind of give your feedback on this. After commercial, Vince McMahon is in the ring trying to interview Razor in the one, two, three, kid. And I say trying to. Oh, you're, oh, he's trying to, that's for sure. You know, he wouldn't know this in the ring, but this is one of those times where Jerry Lawler runs his mouth off during the interview. Now I love Jerry. Dude's a living legend. I, I absolutely love his commentary at this time, especially here. And as you know, repartee with Vince and whatever. It's all great. But bro, there's three dudes in the ring and they're trying to talk and you're, you know, you're talking over them. I'm sitting here trying to listen. Okay. What is Vince trying to say? Like I could barely hear him through some of the things he was saying or whether it be Razor or Sean and Waltman that is. And I just don't know what Jerry's thinking here. And I don't know why with a tape format, they're not editing this out or like, that's a good point down. That's a very um, that, good point. That was confusing to me of why you wouldn't, because like you can barely hear Vince a lot of these questions. Mm-hmm. So you're you're kind of piecing together from what I piece together. And again, this this goes to not watching slash not having the superstars available on the network yet. Mm-hmm. A couple of weeks ago on the superstars, from what I from what we heard, Razor Ramon kind of interfered in a one two three kid Dean Douglas match. Kind of the same situation where Razor got the kid DQ'd. Mm-hmm. Um, kid was trying to help Razor out. Kind of they're kind of playing off this story and. 
this promo is kind of important because the one two three kids kid is kind of showing a different attitude, where he wants respect from Razor. He's not feeling mm-hmm. like he's getting any respect from his friend. And he, and he says, like, Razor, I beat you before. Like, I beat you in 93. I was the Ooh, big yeah. upset on Raw. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's kind of like the kid is almost having bitterness towards Razor, and they're kind of mm-hmm. planting those seeds in this friendship. But you wouldn't be able to hear all of it because of how much Jerry Lawler is talking over it. Very um, true. At the end of the promo, kid challenges Razor to a match on Raw. And, and this goes... Back to what I said last episode, where they have got so many guys in multiple storylines right now, where it's mm-hmm. very confusing of what their main focus is. Because Razor, with, with the kid gone, Razor grabs the mic and says, "Yeah, man, anything can happen in the WWF." And he starts talking about the ladder match with Sean, and then Dean Douglas, and eventually gets to the kid and says, "Yeah, I'll mm-hmm. face you." But he, that's three different guys he's focusing on. Yep. Like at the same time. Hmm. That was that was was funny to me because one two three kid he goes out there challenges him and then he just kind of walks out the ring and the the camera follows him walking to the back and then Razor's still in the ring talking like he didn't just hear what he heard you know I thought that was funny yeah it it, it was a weird it was a weirdly pieced together weirdly shot and and overly talked over interview yeah very um, true. Speaking of weird, we go to a commercial narrated by Todd Pettengill, uh, and he lets us know of a matchup made by interim WWF President Gorilla Monsoon for next week on Raw. Um, he calls this match a match the fans have been asking for. I don't know who in 1995, but I want them to come back and watch it again. Uh, <laughs> it's men on a mission against the tag team champions Owen Hart and Yoko Zuna. The best part about this for me is we are two podcast episodes into this now, and we're going to be eight shows in to actually rewatching this before we finally see the WWF tag team champions. This will be, we'll be, we'll be on our fourth WWF show, including a pay-per-view before we see the tag team champions. I don't like that. <laughs> uh, speaking of tag teams, we did see a mm-hmm. tag team at SummerSlam, the smoking guns. They're in action. They defeat the team of Rad Radford, the Brooklyn brawler in two forty six. King and King and Vince couldn't be bothered during commentary. Um, they're talking about Vince's new sports coat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> King comes out with saying, "I didn't know Fruit of the Loom made sports coats," and Vince says, "It's a French cut." J.C. Penney. Uh, if you say so. Here's my problem. Uh, Brooklyn Brawler is, you know, well known as kind of that underneath job guy in the WWF, making everybody else look good. Rad Radford, the, the future Luis Piccoli, um, not long for the world, sadly, but he, he'll make a, a run in ECW and WCW. I've heard people say that, like, if he was still alive and kicking, he would have been like the next Mister Perfect, that really, like, really agile, bump and heel. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't get to see a lot of that in this match. It's a very short make the smoking guns look good tag team match. They hit the sidewinder oh, yeah. at the end and, and and there you go. <laughs> absolutely. They they absolutely completely dominate. And they're very over in this match too. They they get huge pops. And I and I love these guys. I love watching these guys. They're great. Yeah, the smoking guns are a great tag team. I remember as even as a kid, like loving the smoking guns. Uh we go from the smoking guns to a very dark Hollywood skyline. And we hear, kill the brain and you kill the ghoul, Night of the Living Dead, 1968. And, and then appears Goldust. 
Uh, Goldust is like is our third look at Goldust now, and he's talking about his uh, outside of his magical and mystical land. There's a dark and evil ghouls that walk astray in the darkness. They say he says they're per- they're uh, blanketed in purple and black, and they follow in the footsteps of the one Grim Reaper, the Undertaker. He says, gold sheds no darkness, it only sheds light, and the dark cloud that hovers over the World Wrestling Federation will soon be sent to the heavens, never to be heard from again, courtesy of Gold Dust. What a vignette, and what a promo. Absolutely, this was phenomenal. Let me tell you, I, I just love Gold Dust. I love, I love Dustin in general, and the, what he was given with this gimmick, you know, you could have said, oh, this is so weird, I don't want this. But Dustin became a legend, making this gimmick what it was. And you see why here. You see exactly why here. He this dude is committed, and you can see that with every single thing he does. Amazing I, for sure. I I love how, especially in like the mid '90s, the WWF was really committed to gimmicks, and they would give them time to build through vignettes like this. Because I remember these Gold Dust promos. I remember the Mankind promos, mm-hmm. where you would just get a very different look at a character. And you can clearly like see they're committing time into this character. There's something with this character. And last time we saw Goldust, he was calling out Shawn Michaels. Now he's calling out the Undertaker. Like he is going for the top of the World Wrestling Federation very quickly. Yeah, and you might be surprised seeing that. I was surprised seeing that, you know, because I don't. Obviously, as we've been over, you know, I don't remember this. So him, he's swinging for the fences here, bro. And let me tell you, I'm here for it. Spoiler alert, his first match is not against Goal, uh, Shawn Michaels or The Undertaker. Hmm. <laughs> I guess I'll find uh, out. We're, we're, we're about two pay-per-views away from the debut of Goldust. So we'll, we'll get a couple more Goldust promos, though, which, I, which I'm always here for. I've always got time for Goldust promos. What I don't have time for is our next match. Oh, God. Uh, it is Isaac Yankum DDS defeating Scott Taylor, the future Scotty Too Hottie, in two fourteen. Uh, the DDS with the DDT for the one two three. Yes, sir. And that line right there was more advertisement and charisma and excitement than the whole match had. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Um, yeah, Isaac Yankum who wrestled Bret Hart at SummerSlam in that matchup. That the- way too long matchup. Yeah, we didn't get to see like any of the cool moves that he was doing against Brett. Yeah, like yeah, you're right. The only thing like the big move he did, he does a choke slam, and it's a very early in the match, like transitional throwaway move. Mm-hmm. Um, I did like how when he comes to the ring with that awful music, they, oh, they had God. just they <laughs> they had just oh, talked geez. about Raw being sponsored by Skittles, and then here comes the dentist. So well done. Any more thoughts on your uh, your favorite dentist before nope. we move on? <laughs> no, I have no thoughts. You want to get quickly away from that? I'm one? just I'm just waiting until '97. That's okay. Until he gets caught on fire. Yeah. Well, wait a minute. You and have to remember. His family. Well, what do you? What do you, 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 you have to remember that Isaac Yankum has another identity crisis before that. Uh, well, we'll get there later. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we go from that to Todd Petten goes, what's happening in your house is a kind of control center for in your house three. It's September the 24th. So we got a couple of weeks before our next WWF pay-per-view. Uh, we run down the card for in your house. The main event is a triple header, all championships on the line. It's Diesel and Shawn Michaels as the world champion and the intercontinental champion against Owen Hart and Yoko is due to the tag team champions. Whoever gets pinned in that match will lose their title. And they, and they added in on the action zone the stipulation where 
if you get counted out or disqualified, you also lose the title. So it's an interesting concept. It's a thrilling concept, James. Uh, let me tell you, bro, I, I don't remember this at all. Seeing this when they were describing it, I was like, bro, this is the coolest thing ever. I wish they would do, I know they did something similar since, you know, years later, but I wish they'd do something like this now. This is such a great match concept. I absolutely love this, and I can't yes. wait to watch it. So they did it again in 2001 with Austin and Triple H against Taker and Kane. And I thought we were going to get that. And, and I know we're not talking about current stuff, but I thought we were going to get it at Backlash when you had the Bloodline mm-hmm. and yep. RK Bro and Drew Magnet. You had that situation where you could have done mm-hmm. a similar situation. Yeah. Um, it, it was a, I think it was a bigger deal in 95 than it was in 01 or even today because there's so many more championships now in Mm -hmm. 95 that was every male title the only other championship they had is the women's title and that's never on tv yeah apparently uh also signed for in your house three razor ramon goes one-on-one with dean douglas bret hart goes one-on-one with jean-pierre lafitte Bam Bam Bigelow against the british bulldog and savio vega against waylon mercy any of those matches you're looking forward to uh, I just look forward to anything and everything Razor does. So, uh, I would love to see him get his hands on Dean Douglas, see him punch him in the face again. That'll be great. I am looking forward to that. The, the pay-per-view t- as a whole, eh. I'll tell you what, there is a match on there that will shock you of how fun it really is. Because hmm. um, I, I remember two of these matches. Um... I, and I'll tell you, one of them is not Savio Vega Wayland Mercy. <laughs> uh, we go now to our main event. Uh, Sid's kind of making his entrance during the end of the What's Happening in Your House Control Center. This is the Intercontinental Championship, and Shawn Michaels defending and retaining against Psycho Sid in 721. Uh, Shawn hits a series of three super kicks to the midsection, to the jaw, and then right to the face again to take down Sid couple of things to know. I kind of like the way they set this up. So Shawn Michaels is walking out of his locker room and he's kind of cutting a promo and he's saying, I'm going to close the final chapter on my past. And as he walks by a ladder, he gets freaked out. Like that's mm-hmm. such a small little thing, but yeah. it was so good. Mm-hmm. And then he also is coming to the ring. He's in all of his Shawn Michaels gear. They had just had Barry Dodinsky hyping up the new Shawn Michaels hat and sunglasses. You can order them. The same thing Shawn Michaels wears. And I wrote down, Sean's not even wearing them to the ring. Like, you just pitched these things. He's not wearing them to sell. So he walks over and he grabs the hat from Barry. I'm like, ugh, what a mess. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you What do you think, Sean versus versus Sid? First of all, I wanted one of those hats, let me tell you. And the, and don't forget the sunglasses. They're shaped like hearts and everything. Yeah, I wanted those for sure. I Listen, I tried calling 1-800-TITAN-91. They were sold out. Oh, uh, that sucks. Okay. Well, it is what it is. Uh, the one thing that I that I wanted to, to kind of point out during the match, like early on, King says that Sid is just as agile as Sean, but he's a hundred pounds heavier. And I'm thinking in my head, like, all right, we're a little bit of a stretch here. But later in the match, Sean has Sid on the mat in a head scissors. Sid kips up out of it, lands on his feet, and instantly grabs Sean for a big choke slam. I'm like, all right, cool. Sid wins. Sid Sid's the oh, best. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So, Sean gets the super kick win, and then I don't know how to describe what happened next. Well, let me try to elucidate for the 
uh, audio and video watchers of this program. Uh, Shawn Michaels does the inexplicable, in my mind. He comes out there. <laughs> he's excited about the win, of course, as he should be. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a good win. The man begins a dance routine. Okay, he takes his pants off. He's let, dancing. Let, he's swiveling his hips really quick. Oh, he press takes, us away, he, my friend. He takes off the overtights of his trunks. He still has his long trunks on. You're right. Now. I should have. I should have prefaced as well. So he's got. He's wearing two pairs of pants. Basically, what's going on? He wrestled with two pairs of pants on. Is what I'm seeing here. So he takes his, you know, his the top pair of pants off, and then he teases. Oh, maybe I'm going to take my real pants off. Oh, who? The women in the crowd. They keep showing camera shots of women in the crowd going crazy, like it's the Beatles. You know, you see, you know, the top of his, you know, hips, the top of his cheeks, and uh, he's like, "Ah, oh, no, I won't do it." But keeps dancing a little bit anyway and stuff. So I'm sitting here watching this. I'm like, bro, I'm four. If I'm watching this at four years old, what's going through my head right now? So, yeah, this is the part where four-year-old JR and Wade are downstairs watching Raw. And this would be, like, the two minutes where mom and dad walk down the stairs. Yep, that would be fun, And yep. say, you're not watching this anymore. <laughs> Go turn on WCW. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy to look back and think, like, what would have been side-by-side. Side? Because if you look at the timestamps, this would have been pretty much side-by-side side with either the end of the Hogan-Luger match or, like, the beginning of that chaotic promo. And, mm-hmm. like, I, I'm not saying at all that Shawn Michaels showing his hip was having people change the channel. But you know there's at, least, there's at least a few people who changed the channel to Nitro and saw the end of that because Shawn Michaels was taking his pants off in the ring. <laughs> and it was, it was a long, like, two or three minutes yeah. mm-hmm. where he is, like, <laughs> taking his pants off. And I'm like... You could have given the Smoky Guns and Rad Radford the Brooklyn Brawl another minute. I didn't need yep. to see Sean take his pants off. <laughs> and Vince or is all you? about it. Vince is all in contact. Yeah, unbelievable. This is the new generation. Like, Vince, stop. All right, so we come back from commercial. We have an in-your-house commercial where the Smoking Guns, the Bushwhackers, Bob Backlund, Mad Mountain Rocker in this guy's house. What a weird house party that is. And Doc Hendricks in the the backstage area interviewing Sean and Diesel. I will say that this Shawn Michaels promo is really good, Mm -hmm. and it really helps his character arc where he says he's in the process of righting all the wrongs in his life. He avenged the ladder match loss. He got the IC title back. He and Diesel are reunited. He finally beat Sid. And now it's time to move on to bigger and better things. That was a like that was a perfect promo for his for his mm-hmm. character arc. Absolutely was. And then Kevin Nash chimes in. Uh, Diesel says, they're not just two dudes with attitudes. They're two chaps with all the straps. I love it. Classic Thanks. Kevin Nash. I love it. <laughs> so... We go one more commercial break. We come back to the Raw preview. And here's my issue with this entire show is when they come back, they're doing a Raw preview. I think they're going to just run down the card. But they're showing actual clips from next week's show. Like it's a sitcom. Like, next week on Raw, see how Vince deals mm-hmm. with Sean taking his pants off. Like, no. Like, they're showing clips of Razor and Kid, and they're showing clips of Men on a Mission against Owen and Yoko. WCW is on the other channel telling people, you're not live. Mm-hmm. And now you are telling people, this happened weeks ago. We have the footage. 
Like, I, I don't understand it. I don't either. It's inexplicable. It, it, it makes no sense, but that's that's raw for you. <laughs> they were that's, they were that's raw for you. Yep. All right, it is time to take this a little bit to the extreme on the Monday Night Warfare podcast. This one's way up your wheelhouse. Uh, We're going to the it's fully in my wheelhouse. I'm not really sure what a wheelhouse is, but it's in there. It's a house full of wheels, isn't it? Oh, yeah, you're probably right, yeah. You have one in the back of the house? Yeah. It's like a shed. Anyway, Hardcore TV, September the 12th, 1995. These matches were taped August the 26th, 1995. Uh, back in the ECW arena, Joey Styles opens up the show, hypes up the entire lineup for tonight, also promotes a live event this Saturday night. Interesting note for the live event, it's going to be the debut of Rey Mysterio Jr. and Psychosis. Yeah, buddy. Can't so wait. This is, this is that influx of talent we talked about where Eddie and Dean have left ECW, but now Paul Heyman's bringing in the luchadors from Mexico, mm-hmm. and just this continuous almost revolving door of talent that ECW is going to get is going to be so cool to watch. Oh yeah. So amazing. So Lance Wright hypes up the club ECW. It's kind of a good deal. It's a hundred bucks. You get the same ringside seat for four ECW shows. You're placed on an ECW priority list. You get 20% of ECW merchandise. My only issue with this is they'd say it's exclusively for the denizens of the ECW arena. I have a master's degree and I had to look that word up. I am not really? trying to knock. Hmm. I am not trying to knock the ECW fan base, but like, that is not the word I would have chosen to use in that advertisement. True, you're right. Uh, let me let me say something about this this deal. Just kind of goes to show you how incredible, in my mind, it would have been to be living in Philadelphia in the '90s. You know what I mean? To be a part of this, to be like, okay, you get the same ringside seat for the next four arena shows. And to just be there in the crowd, I wish so badly. Now, I don't really want to live in Philadelphia, but you know, this would have been uh, this would have been so incredible to see firsthand. Uh, man, we really missed out on that. Let me tell you. Well, and and we looked at it last week with Eddie Guerrero's last match. He was kind of roaming the crowd, getting kind of hugging the fans. There is a very like. I don't want to say cult-like mentality, but it's a very mm-hmm. close-knit with that That's, crowd yeah. in, the, in the ECW fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, we cut to a promo with the Pitbulls. It's, uh, they're with Stevie or with uh, Joey Styles. The Pitbulls are going to face Raven and Stevie Richards Saturday night at this live event. Uh, double dog collar match for the tag team titles. Pitbull won as Gary Wolf says they can't beat Raven and Richards for the titles. The Pitbulls are going to split up. So it's a do-or-die double dog collar match. Say that five times fast. Um, I won't. Pitbull number two, Anthony Duran says, if I can't be a Pitbull, I'd rather die. Kind of extreme, but all right. My thing is, I remember the Pitbulls being way more intense than they were. Like, they almost seemed, like, subdued in this promo. It was kind of weird. Like, I expected almost Mm -hmm. more from the Pitbulls. Mm -hmm. Um, Speaking of more from a promo, oh, my goodness, this next promo. Do, Do you want to talk about it? Oh, I would love nothing more, Jimbo. This... If you have missed Mick Foley in the 90s, then I honestly feel sorry for you. It's this dude is so underrated when it comes to like promos in the, in the like early in his career. Uh so Cactus Jack, okay, cuts a promo uh and he's t- he's talking to Tommy Dreamer during this whole thing. And basically the gist of it is what is the nature of being hardcore? He goes on to talk about uh, people like Ray Stevens, who needs a heart transplant, but he can't get it because he doesn't have any money. 
You know, he says Harley Race is a millionaire many times over, but his body is battered and his spirit is broken because he was a hardcore wrestler. And he talks about how hardcore wrestlers give their bodies. And what do they give it for? Because they're not being paid that much, I have to imagine, in this time. They're giving it for the fans. And so as a fan, me and you were watching this, and we're like, oh, man, this is absolutely incredible. And then we turned the channel. Meanwhile, Cactus Jack winds up in the hospital or something. You know what I mean? That's the kind of the gist of this promo is that, uh, as you, you know, he's kind of like the anti-extreme, anti-ECW, whatever. But so he's saying, I we give so much, and what do we get in return? And we've heard we've heard a lot of wrestlers kind of uh, reiterate that over the years. But for him to be saying this so early in his career at '95 and something is really striking. And uh, this was just an absolute banger of a promo. Uh, just one of the best one of the best things we saw this week, Jr. Well, one of the other things in that promo is he talks about how he's giving Tommy Dreamer now. He says he loves Tommy Dreamer and. He ends the promo saying, he who lives and runs away returns to fight another day, which is such an out-of-place line for ECW, this bloodthirsty, violent ECW. Mm-hmm. And Cactus Jack, who is known for his death matches, is like, just walk away, Tommy. I mm-hmm. don't. I love you. Don't fight me. And here's the issue I think that we're going to run into, and I'm sure people ran into in the 90s, is... We're not going to watch every ECW episode. Um, they were a syndicated show, so we're, gonna, we're trying to keep that sense of reality where you wouldn't get every episode of ECW. We're going to watch every now and then to kind of keep up on it. We're not watching an episode of ECW until September the 26th, but now I really want to see what happens with Cactus Jack and Tommy Dreamer. Mm-hmm. I'm yep. very invested based on four minutes of Mick Foley talking. Yeah, you're right. And, and, and that's the one thing that these ECW shows are going to have the advantage of. I think the promo department is, like, the Goldust promo is great. But mm. that was, you know, that's not a commonality on WWE. There's not a lot of good promo. We've seen a lot of Hulk Hogan promos on WWE, or WCW already. And they're just kind of off the wall. <laughs> Pasta Mania, brother. Yeah, in, but in four minutes, Cactus Jack has me all about a feud I know nothing about. Oh, yeah. Uh, speaking of that feud, the other half of that feud is Tommy Dreamer, who is kind of feuding with Cactus Jack, Raven, and all of the gang. But right now he is fighting through the Dudley Boys, and not just Bubba and Devon. We are talking the entire extended Dudley family. Tommy Dreamer takes on Dudley Dudley with Big Dick Dudley at ringside. Tommy gets the win at 624 with a superplex off the top. I like seeing the superplex get the win. It's not a mm. common finishing move, but I like it. Right. Um, I, I kind of like it, too, because it's like it's like unexpected. You know what I mean? Like, it's not his finisher. People are going to be like, one, two. Oh, he's probably going to kick out. It's just a superplex. Although, maybe a 95 is different. I don't know. But at, as in WCW, we saw Sting with that flying crossbody, which you wouldn't have expected. Uh, so that is uh, – it adds the excitement of it when you have, like, un, you know – pinfall so you wouldn't expect this match was very ecw um Mm -hmm. tommy dreamer is getting a frying pan handed to him by the crowd he's hitting everybody with the frying pan uh he at one point grabs a wooden sign and the only way i can describe it is he shish kebab dudley dudley um we see sign guy dudley in the crowd 
<laughs> and then I'm going to let you describe your favorite part. The interaction outside of the ring between Tommy Dreamer and Big Dick Dudley is something else. Bro, let me tell you. Tommy, he goes outside of the ring to fight Big Dick Dudley. And this is just, it's just absolutely amazing. This dude, as we said before, he pulled out a frying pan from the crowd to hit Dudley Dudley. Right, I mean, he, he cracks him over the skull with this thing. I mean, it was brutal. So he gets, I think, if I'm remembering right, he got like another frying pan on the other side of the ring outside. And then the best part of this whole thing, he gets in the crowd, he grabs out, and he gets a freaking bowling pin. Like somebody hands him a bowling pin and says, here, use this, and he cracks him with it. It was just absolutely amazing. In addition to other weapons he pulled out, it was just so much fun. Meanwhile, Big Dick, he just no-sells everything, and then Tommy eventually gets back in the ring, but it was really amazing to see. You know, Big Dick no-selling it was a better way to describe it than how I wrote it in my notes. I wrote All I wrote was Big Dick never went down. So I'm going to need some more words when I take notes next week. Um, hmm. Anyway, Tommy Dreamer with the with the superplex for the win. After the match, Big Dick Dudley carries Dudley Dudley back to the back. Tommy gets a He's Hardcore chant, goes out, rips up sign guy Dudley's sign, pulls him out of the crowd, chair shot right to the head, which I forgot how many unprotected chair shots to the head we're going to see. Oh, yeah, dude. <laughs> I mean, and unprotected frying pan shots. Let's not forget about those. <laughs> and unprotected frying pan and kitchen sinks and everything mm-hmm. else in between. Anything you can dream of. Stop um, signs. Yeah, at the, at the end of the segment, Tommy DDT sign guy on the chair. We cut to a Taz promo. This was like the shortest Taz promo. He's like, mm-hmm. I'm coming back. I'm going to fight two-court Scorpio. Either he's going to beat me up or I'm going to beat him up. Yep. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> th- th- thanks, Taz. Um, So we go to our main event, and they announced beforehand it is highlights of a tag match, not the full match. Mm -hmm. It's Rick and Scott Steiner with Taz in their corner against two cold Scorpio and a mystery partner. The mystery partner revealed to be Chris Benoit. Every podcast has to handle this at one point. Let's Let's just get out of the way now. Any praise towards Chris Benoit is 1995 through 2001 Chris Benoit. Mm-hmm. Um, what happened with the Chris Benoit tragedy is that it's a tragedy. It's a mess. It is un- is terrible. Um, there should be no praise for Chris Benoit moving forward, but his contributions in the past cannot be overlooked. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Chris Benoit was one of my favorite wrestlers as a kid. Me too. Yeah. Um, that is severely changed uh, as mm-hmm. a human being, but as a wrestler. Um, Chris Benoit is uh, almost in a league of his own. Yeah, you're not wrong. So, this match is a best of of the tag match. Essentially, it, you know, it starts out pretty even. Steiners are even with Scorpio and Benoit. Rick Steiner has the nastiest Steiner lines in the world. The match breaks down at the end. Um, so Rick and Scott get the win. Um, they show nine minutes and twenty four seconds of it. I'm, I know that match is longer. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's miscommunications throughout the match between Scorpio and Benoit. Scorpio mm-hmm. tells Benoit to go to the top at one point for the headbutt, and Scorpio just goes for a pin instead. So, like, Benoit's standing there awkward. Mm-hmm. Uh, Benoit's holding Rick Steiner. Scorpio goes for a super kick. Scorpio takes too long, kicks Benoit in the face. They start to go at it. Benoit eventually just dragon suplexes Scorpio like he's tired of him. Mm-hmm. Taz hits Scorpio right in the face with a TV title. And then Rick hits Benoit with a German suplex and throws him so far across the ring. Benoit kicks out at two. 
Steiner hits the big Samoan drop, or Scott that is, on Benoit from the top. Benoit kicks out again. And eventually the Steiners go for their super death killer move of <laughs> Rick lifts Benoit into the electric chair on his shoulders. Scott climbs to the top rope, DDTs him off of Rick's shoulders, and finally Benoit goes down. Mm-hmm. Great move. That's the story of it, is that Chris Benoit is so, like, he's he's the toughest dude there is. Like, he's the toughest dude in the ring at any time. That's what they were kind of been building for. And, uh, you know, him picking out of all these things uh, absolutely lends to that. And But what a great move. That last that last finisher is so, so great. I remember just watching them, the Steiners, that is, just dropping job guys and enhancement guys in WWF with that DDT. And I'm like, man, that is a murder. Like, mm-hmm. I just watched a man die. Yeah. Uh, we go to commercial break, we come back, and the public enemy are outside, and at first, the way that like, they're kind of talking, they're hyping up the Saturday night show, talking about Rey Mysterio and Psychosis debuting, and I'm thinking they're just kind of like pitching like the whole show, and then it cuts to the gangsters, it's New Jack and Mustafa, and they start talking about uh, what they're going to do on Saturday night, I'm like, oh, okay, this is like a whole montage, and Mustafa makes this noise. Like, New Jack says his piece, and Mustafa goes, ugh. And I'm like, uh, uh, wh- huh? Hmm. Uh, we cut to the Sandman talking about Mikey Whipwreck, saying Mikey thinks he's extreme enough to take the title from him. New Jack doesn't care about Sandman and woman, but he likes violence like Sandman. And now I'm just confused. I'm like, I don't know who's fighting who. Hmm. And eventually, like, I, th- I eventually pieced together, I think, it's Public Enemy and Mikey Whipwreck against the gangsters and the Sandman in a six-man tag. I don't know if it's in a cage, like the public enemy talking about a cage. I, I, did you understand any of this? No. <laughs> the I will say, the last like five seconds of the show, Mikey Whipwreck looks dead down the camera and goes, this Saturday, Mikey Whipwreck becomes a man. And I'm like, you know what? I believe that. I'm invested in <laughs> that. So mm. the rest of it makes zero sense. Yeah. But, yeah, um... It was a very all-over-the-place ECW show, but, I mean, there was a lot of fun in that episode. Oh, very much so, yeah. All right, Wade, it is time to do our weekly awards, but before we go there, this is the Monday Night Warfare, so I gotta know, Raw or Nitro, who won the war this week? Um, let's look at the facts, okay? Let's litigate this. WCW is on a roll, I think, really. Uh, They're the ones who fired the shot. They're the ones who are building more. Uh, WWF just kind of put on a regular old show. Like, they don't care what's going on or they don't realize what's happening. And I guess maybe they can't, really. But WCW fired the shots. WCW is what I look forward to more, especially at this time in 95. Uh, Monday Nitro wins this week, week two. Yeah, I would say Nitro also gets the win. Um, they both had kind of clunky finishes to matches. Um, I think that the main event on Raw was better, the Sean Sid match. I think that the Goldust promo was good. But overall, I think WCW flowed better. I think there was a lot of – you got to see a lot of the big characters. You got to see a lot of stars. Like WWF, you saw Diesel for like 30 seconds. You didn't see Brett. You didn't see The Undertaker. You still haven't seen the tag team champions. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's five of your biggest names in this new generation, and they're just gone. Yeah. 
All right, so now here's the big, here's the other question. Does Nitro get your show of the week, or does ECW out it for show of the week? Oh, it's Raw not in the category? I mean, Raw can be in your show of the week, but Nitro beat Raw, okay, according to you. That's all right. <laughs> uh, my show this week, I'm going to swerve you, Jimbo. Call me Vince Russo. Uh, I I'd rather not. Yeah, you're probably right. I shouldn't have said that. Uh, if that Maybe that makes you Jim Cornette and we'll have to fight. I don't know. Uh, the show of the week, my favorite show of the week, absolutely, is ECW. Uh, just because it was a fun show. And let me tell you something, brother, about the WCW. Okay? I'm saying it like Hulk because I love how he says it. Everyone becomes <laughs> Southern all of a sudden. The WCW, dude. I love that. Uh Here's the thing. There's so many shenanigans in this episode of Nitro that I just hated. Uh, you know, you got Shark on Scott Norton's legs. You get the Dungeon of Doom coming out in the main event. You got the reversal with Sabu. Although that kind of makes sense because it's Sabu's character showing how crazy he is. I kind of get that, at least. But with so many BS finishes, uh, I can't put Nitro here, especially because they booked Hulk Hogan versus Lex Luger as the match of the century. You know what I mean? And it lasted five minutes and ended in a disqualification. I thought it was on Monday Night Raw 2022. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I would expect from them. That's not what I would expect, you know, necessarily from WCW in the 90s. Uh, not, well, maybe late 90s, but whatever. Uh, so I can't, in good conscience, give my stamp of approval to this show because I just hate having a show filled with BS finishes like this. I get you're building towards war games. But you could do it in a much, much better way. At least give the fans... You're trying to go to war here with WWF. Give the fans a banger of a match between Hulk and Lex on free TV. Because you know Hulk's got bigger and better things coming. If you're facing the giant, whatever, we'll get there. But at least give them something now to say, Listen, WWF ain't giving you this big of a match on their show. Watch Nitro Monday nights. You'll see great matches. I agree with you to an extent. I'm still going to say Nitro was the better show. That's more my cup of tea. I think we've already figured out in two weeks that um, you are more of an ECW fan than I was or am. Um, but you're also overlooking the biggest part of Nitro. Mm-hmm. We got to hear Alex Wright's theme music. Mm, so That's a good point. That automatically means this show is great. You're right. Speaking speaking of great, hopefully next week is great. Uh, there is no ECW this week mm. or next week, but there is a pay per view. Wade, we are literally going to war on the Monday Night Warfare podcast. We are going to cover WCW Fall Brawl, September the seventeenth, nineteen ninety five. Here's the lineup for Fall Brawl, Wade. The winner to get a United States Heavyweight Title shot, Johnny B. Bad, one on one with Brian Pillman. Sergeant Craig Pitbull Pittman against Cobra. The World Television title on the line. The Renegades to defend against Diamond Dallas Page. WCW World Tag Team titles on the line. Bunkhouse Buck and Dirty Dick Slater with Colonel Parker in their corner. Defend against Harlem Heat with Sister Sherry. That's the title shot they got from five men and a lady at Clash of the Champions. Mm -hmm. With the flying lip lock of Doom. Uh, The Enforcer Arn Anderson one-on-one with the Nature Boy Ric Flair. And then the War Games match. If Hogan's team wins, he gets the Taskmaster in the cage for five minutes. Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage, Sting, and the total package Lex Luger against the Dungeon of Doom represented by Kamala, Shark, Zodiac, and Ming. Anything you're looking forward to or dreading for that matchup? I'm not dreading anything, really. I tell you what, just 
hearing those matches, bro, I am psyched. Like, on paper, I haven't seen this before. I don't know anything that's going to happen here. But I am stupid excited for this show. Uh, I'm really looking forward. I mean, Flying Brian, you got, you know. I'm hoping to see Teddy Long. I think he's with Pittman at this time, but I can't remember. Uh, it's going to be an awesome show, I think. You know, you you know, I know you know what happens and everything, but I have no idea, so I'm very excited. There are two matches that are very, very good from this pay per view. Um, I will leave it at that. There are two very good matches on this pay per view um, nice. that, I, that I think you're going to like a lot. Uh, we're also going to cover round two of the Monday Night War. It is Nitro versus Raw head to head. Nitro and Raw from September the 18th, 1995 on Nitro. The fallout from Fall Brawl 1995. There's some big updates coming out of War Games and coming out of Fall Brawl as a whole. So the WCW about to change a little bit. Also in action, Johnny B. Bad against Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. The Blue Bloods will take on the American Males. So a couple of matches and a big kind of fallout from the pay-per-view there. Mm. On Monday Night Raw... We went the big tag match, men on a mission against the tag team champions Owen Hart and Yokozuna as they prepare for In Your House 3 and the 1-2-3 kid against the bad guy, Razor Ramon. Are you looking forward to Raw or Nitro more? I think, uh, I tell you what, man, through watching this, I've been reminded of how just amazing and how freaking cool Razor Ramon is. He is the coolest dude. Like, <laughs> he really is. He makes, he makes being cool so like easy. I don't understand. It's effortless. It. Absolutely. He is the coolest dude. So if I'm looking forward to a match a match the most, it's that match with him versus uh one, two, three kid. But the show overall, you know, after Fall Brawl and everything, looking forward I'm looking forward more to Nitro. Well, we hope you're looking forward to more from the Monday Night Warfare podcast. We're glad you're with us, audio or video form. Like we said, like, follow, subscribe, comment, share. Do all the things you need to do. Help this podcast grow and join along. Come watch along with us. Have a conversation. We're open and want to hear what you guys think of 1995 and the beginning of the war. Wade, strap on your helmet. We're going to war next week in the war games. I am psyched, bro. I'm so ready. We thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next week on the Monday Night Warfare Podcast.